Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But that upper millstone, this woman just pushes it over the top of the of the tower and hits him right on the head and crushes his skull and he dies or he's about to die. He's and it says then he quickly uh, turned to the young man, his armor bearer, and said, "Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me." Notice even in death, his pride. You know, I don't I don't want to be known as a man who was killed by a woman. Uh, so. He says, draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me, a woman killed me. So his young man thrust him through, and he died. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn that after his brutal victory at the Tower of Shechem, Abimelech probably thought he was an expert at attacking towers. He then went to Thebes and attacked the city and the tower there. At Thebes, a woman dropped a millstone on Abimelech's head and mortally wounded him. Abimelech considered it manlier to be killed by his own armor-bearer, but he was still dead afterward. Proud even in death, he then had to answer to God for his wicked actions. We will all face God when we die. The question is, where will we go? That is why we need a Savior in Jesus Christ who has given us eternal life with him. Now let's join Pastor Rob. An area, and we see that um, the kings did that. Often when they would come against a city, they would just sow it with salt, and it just made it um, unfit. And... um, History tells us that that around the 12th century, or I'm sorry, around the time of Jeroboam, remember um, that Solomon, after his death, that Jeroboam and Rehoboam, the 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 city or the the country of Israel, was divided into two, as you recall, and Jeroboam actually rebuilt Shechem. Uh, in spite of the fact that it had been sown with salt and, and, and pretty much useless for quite a while. And then Jeroboam was the one who actually set it up his capital there at that time. But notice, going back to verse 46, it says, Now when all the men of the tower of Shechem... So, so in this city there was a tower, and they used that for lookout and for protection. And so now all the men of the tower of Shechem had heard that. They entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Berith. Now, this is an event, as we read this, that was happening uh, when they originally came against, when Abimelech and his men came and they fought against uh, Shechem. This is like a, a snapshot of something that happened during that time. And so the Word of God is now just getting us in on, and focusing on that one piece of it when it happened. It says, So when all the men of the Tower of Shechem had heard that, they entered the stronghold of the temple of their god Berith, And this temple may have actually been part of this tower or maybe lying adjacent to it. 
And it was told Abimelech, verse 47, that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And so Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, and he and all the people. Now, Mount Zalman is probably just an area on the Mount of uh, either Jerizim or Mount Ebal. It's, it's, it's an area on that mountain. So uh, even though they call it Mount Zalman, it's just an area where uh, on that mountain where they grabbed these branches, as we're going to read. So Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him, and Abimelech took an axe in his hand, and he cut down a bow from the trees, and he took it, and he laid it on his shoulder, and he said to the people who were with him, what, what you've seen me do, make haste, and do as I have done. And so each of the people likewise cut down his own bow, and followed Abimelech, put them against the stronghold, and set the stronghold on fire above them, so that all the people of the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women, so you can imagine, as they are in this tower thinking that they're secure, uh, Abimelech gets this bright idea of just taking a branch and putting it down at the base of this thing, and everybody's piling their branches on, and then they just light the thing up, and it's basically a, a it's become a, a cooker. And so everyone inside of it, unfortunately, dies. And so the fire of Shechem, you know, from coming out from Abimelech, destroys the men of Shechem. And so we see that prophecy. Uh, that uh, Jotham had spoken earlier coming to pass very literally. So then, then after that happened, notice what happens in verse 50. It says, Then Abimelech went to Thebes, uh, or Thebes, and he encamped against Thebes, and he took it. Now this town is about 11 miles northeast of Shechem. So they've already attacked the men in Shechem. They've taken the, uh, all the people in the tower. They've burnt that down. And now, because... Thebes, which was to the north about 11 miles, uh, they were confederate with Shechem, so they're thinking to themselves, Abimelech's going, well, we're going to go and we're going to destroy them too because they were in on this whole thing. And so notice what happens. He goes and it says, But there was a strong tower in the city, and all the men and the women, all the people of the city, they fled there and they shut themselves in, and then they went up to the top of the tower. And I don't know if news hadn't got to them yet about what happened in Shechem, but whether whether it did or whether it didn't, they it was their only place of 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 protection. So they go inside this tower, and Abimelech's thinking, "Hmm, I did it once, I can do it again." So he do, he does the exact same thing, and hoping for the same result. And it says in verse fifty-two, so Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it. And he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But notice, a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. And an upper millstone, you recall that a millstone, there's a big stone underneath it that lies on the ground, and then there's a, 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 like a, tr- a path in the middle, and then there's a, a smaller stone that's pretty significant and weighs quite a bit, and that's what the, the mule or people would use to go around and crush the grapes or crush the grain, whatever they would use it for. But that upper millstone, this woman just pushes it over the top of the, of the tower and hits him right on the head and crushes his skull, and he dies, or he's about to die. He's, and it says, Then he quickly uh, turned to the young man, his armor-bearer, and said, Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me. Notice even in death his pride. You know, I don't, I don't want to be known as a man who was killed by a woman. Uh, so 
He says, Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me, A woman killed me. So his young man thrust him through, and he died. And he died. And, you know, it it reminds me of uh, when we were in Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5, how we heard of Jael going against Sisera, who was the commander of uh, Jabin, the king of Hazor, of the Canaanites, and how Jael remember, uh, thrust that tent spike uh, through Sisera's uh, temple right to the ground. You remember when she did that, and um, and he died a horrible death. And, and by that, even by the hand of a woman, which in that culture uh, was a shame. It was uh, because, you know, he didn't die in valiant battle, and, you know, bullets are blazing and swords are glaring. It was none of that. It was no glorious thing about that. He was sleeping with a, a tummy full of milk when uh, she drew that uh, tent stake through his temple. You remember that the same thing happened to Saul. It's recorded for us in 1 Samuel chapter 31 where Saul went against the Philistines and the Philistines did the same thing. They wounded Saul so much so that he was mortally wounded and while he's still writhing around trying to, you know, knowing that he was going to die, he said the same thing to his armor bearer, you know, thrust me through with a sword uh, lest these, you know, Philistines come and they abuse me. And his armor bearer couldn't do it. Ended up, um, um, Saul, you know, ended up killing himself, and then his armor bearer killed himself. So it's kind of an awful thing. But notice what happens back in our text in verse 51. It says, When the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. So not this man's revenge and his, his, his life came to fruition they probably realized that there was something about this that just wasn't right. And and so finally, you know, they don't even continue in this battle at this point. They just, once they see that he's dead, they're like, you know, we have no reason to, to do any of this anymore either. And so the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead. They departed every man to his place. Thus God repaid the wickedness. Notice, thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father, by killing his 70 brothers. So, you know, your sin will find you out. And God pays, you know, there is a time of reckoning. And uh, Abimelech, this was his time. That was his time of reckoning. And God brought it upon his own head. Literally, uh, that millstone, that upper millstone, fell on his head and killed him. And notice, and all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads. And how did he do that? Remember, they, he even allowed Abimelech to come and to uh, set fire to the tower where everyone had died, over a thousand men and women. And so we see that God was going to return to Abimelech uh, what was due him and also what was due to the men of Shechem for going along with Abimelech and killing his seven, 70 brothers in cold blood. And so... And thus the prophecy of Jotham, which we read in verse 19 and 20, was fulfilled. And let me just read it again, just to kind of tie this whole thing up in a nice little bow. It says in Judges, uh, in verse 19, we just read this a little while ago. And this was the prophecy that Jotham, this son who had escaped of the 70 brothers, what he had said to the men of Shechem and to Abimelech. Notice, he says, If then you have acted in truth... And sincerity with Jerubabel and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem. And that's exactly what happened as he set that tower on fire. And also, what happens, this prophecy that Jotham had said, 
Then rejoice, he says, But if not, let fire come from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo, which is this uh, this tower, and let fire come from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. And and that's exactly what happened as well. They you know, he got the millstone uh on his head and died, and so Abimelech was killed along with the destruction, the destruction of Shechem and its inhabitants. And let's just go on to the first five verses of Judges chapter 10 because uh, that's kind of the end of the story for Abimelech. But these next, two, these next five verses kind of go in line with this fifth period. Um, you recall when we were talking about Gideon, that was the fourth period uh, of the Judges. There's seven different periods. And right now what we just um, are going to be finishing up here is this fifth period and that lasts really from chapter 9 through the 5th verse of chapter 10 is this 5th fifth, fifth period. There we go. So notice, and, and what we're going to be looking at is two individuals, and this will go pretty quickly because there's not a, a lot known about them, but Tola and Jair were uh, what they would call minor judges, um, even though they're, they judged uh, for, for quite a while, they... Um, well, let's just read it. It says, After Abimelech, there, there arose to save Israel, Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar. And he dwelt in Shamir in the mountains of Ephraim. And so we don't know much about this gentleman. And uh, we don't even know what kind of enemies were against Israel at this time. It could have been just the aftermath of the reign of Abimelech and, and all that treachery and all of that stuff it could have just been he was ruling over them just to kind of bring peace to that area. And it says that he judged Israel 23 years. That's quite a long time. And it says, and he died and was buried in Shamir. And then Jair is the one who ruled after him. And, and we believe that this time that Jair ruled was possibly around the time where Ruth lived and around this time period where um, when we get into Ruth after Judges, uh, this is kind of the time period that Ruth was living. And so it says, After him, after Tola, rose Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel 22 years. And he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys, and they also had 30 towns, which are called Havoth Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Camon. And so, again, not much known about these two uh, judges of, of Israel at this time. And so, you know, as we look over Abimelech, we just see a man who was completely governed by this desire to, to be a leader and to rule over people and just uh, filled with selfish ambition, willing to do anything and everything to get uh, that position. And isn't it true that whenever we desire something that God has not uh, designed for our lives, it, it always ends in heartache. It always ends in pain. It always ends in, in disaster. And it would have been far better for Abimelech to just realize that you know God had not called him to this because he had to even pay men to follow him and to, to get this deed done. It would have been so much... Um, it, you know, whenever you again, whenever you have to pay your, you know, someone to go after your enemies, you're you're in a, a bad spot because if they're not willing to go themselves and they have to be paid, it just it just it 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 just smacks of personal ambition, uh, personal vendetta kind of thing, and that's kind of what we see 
happening with Abimelech, and it didn't end well. We know that, and God made sure that that not only he but the men of Shechem also were repaid or recompensed uh, for their deeds. And so, that that's something that's important for us to always uh, consider and to always know that God has a plan for each of us. And the best plan um, is to submit to God, is to find out what He has created you to do, you know, to, to really love Him and to allow Him to mold and shape you. And to me, that's one of the wonderful things about being a Christian is as we walk with Him, as we learn in His Word about these people, because none of us are, are beyond what happened to Abimelech. You know, even today there are, there are people, even Christians, who have to really, they, they really struggle with uh, selfish ambition. They still struggle with issues and, and because we're not perfect. But God has forgiven us, right? And so He's still working things out. He's still shaping us. And so let Him shape you. Would you let Him shape you and let Him reveal to you what His plan is for your life? Don't be so concerned about what your will for your life is. Surrender to the will of God. And to me, for me personally, that took me, well, it took me longer than 24 years because even when I was 24, I gave my heart to the Lord. But it was an unfolding of God's will through when I was 24 up until recently, in the last couple of years, you know, he was just, con- you know, slowly, slowly doing things in my life. And, and he's doing the same thing in your life, you know, and, and continue to pray about that. Don't let yourself get lazy and, 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 and think that, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You know, sometimes we can kind of just throw up our hands like that. But, but trust the Lord and pray for his will to be done. I remember when I was a young believer, one of the things that scared me more than anything is I was reading a book on how to know the, you know God's will for your life because I was really nervous about this whole idea of God's will for my life. I really wanted to know, but I didn't know how to do it because I had heard so much about, you know, you got to let God do the work. And I'm like, well, how do I let God do the work and I don't do anything? But the, the secret of it is, is that God is working, and if I really surrender to Him you know, along the way, he has a way of doing things and kind of hemming me in and kind of getting me to go on the right path. And when I'm when I'm resisting him, what I'm doing is I'm breaking down the wall and going a different way. But when I allow myself, even when I don't understand, to be hemmed in and say, Lord, and this is how we how we pray, right? We we say, Lord, your will be done. Would to God that Abimelech had had done that. This whole thing would have been so much different. He would probably still be had been alive for quite a while, and his life would have been better. But he, he's breaking down the wall and saying, I want my own will done. I want this to be done. And God, you know, if he would have just prayed and said, God, what is your will for my life? I'd like to be a leader. Uh, search my heart. Why is that? Why do I want to be a leader? Why do I want to be in a place of authority? Because the reason behind those, the motives, that's God is concerned about all of that. It's the motive. What is the motive of my heart? And so knowing the will of God was a really big deal for me. And I got to the point where I realized, you know what? If I really pray for His will to be done, and and you can pray for this too, and regardless of how old you are, never stop praying for God's will to be done in your life. Because as long as you have air breathing through your lungs, He's still working on you, and He still wants to influence others through you. And He's got a plan, even now. Even now, no matter what state you're in, He's got a plan. Pray about it. Ask Him. Say, Lord, and this is how we do it. We say, Lord... I want this. I'm hoping for this, but your will be done, God. 
your will be done. I, I want to go this direction. I want to go to school. I want to do this. But Lord, if that's not the university you want me to go into, if this is not the job you want me to go into, whatever it may be, whatever opportunity, pray about it. And you watch what God does. He has a way of miraculously intervening in situations and other people's lives to accomplish not only his will for your life, but theirs as well. That's the the chess game of all chess games. Have you ever thought about that? It's like all of us Christians, he's got us all, and he knows exactly what he wants to do. He knows how we can do it. He knows that if we pray about this, he's going to bring this into our life that we didn't even consider. We're not even aware of it. And yet if we didn't pray, he, he might not bring that in, that influence into our life. And so how important is it? Again, that's why I think we pray by faith, right? We pray and we ask God to do things. But if we don't pray, then a different result comes to pass. And so then it brings a gravity, really, to my life then. And then it's like, I need to be a man. I need to be a woman of prayer. I need to be praying instead of just throwing up my hands and saying, Ah, God, what's he going to do what he's going to do? Well, if you do that, you're going to be missing out on so much of life because when you submit your will to the to, to the Lord, wonderful and beautiful things happen, and they happen at the right time. And sometimes it takes weeks, sometimes it takes years, sometimes it even takes decades, and then he brings it to fruition. And when he does, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, there's promises that God made to me years ago, and I didn't, never could see how it could come to pass. Didn't even want it, really. And then how he brings it to pass. Because you're willing. You're just an open vessel. You're willing. And so my encouragement tonight for all of you as we've read this passage, you know, what is what is your heart's desire according to the will of God? You know, are you submitting yourself to His will? Or are you still trying to force your way like Abimelech into a position of authority? and Or, or are you just surrendering? And there is a wonderful thing when we surrender. There's no fight. Do you ever notice that? When you put up the white flag, there's no fight then, is there? No, you're giving up. You're giving up to another. And see, that's what discipleship is. That's what a relationship is. That's what love is. Isn't that what Jesus did? He says, I willingly gave up my life for you, for me. I willingly gave it. Nobody took it from me. I willingly gave it. He put up the white flag and said, I surrender, Father, to your will. And and what more beautiful thing happened than that? And So surrender, surrender, surrender to the will of God. Let Him do what He wants to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this um, passage here in Your Word, God. And Lord, we do want Your will to be done. We don't want to be people that are fighting against You all the time. We don't want to be people that are so bent on our own wills, Lord, that that we'll never stop. Lord, we want to stop everything if we have to and say, Lord, your will be done and really mean it, Father. Please help us, Lord. Help each one of us to discover the wonderful, glorious plan that you have for each of us, Lord. It's more glorious than anything we could imagine, Lord. I know this for my own self, and I know many, and hopefully all of us, know the same thing. But God, we have this crazy thing in in our own will. Even when you're dwelling in us, Lord, you don't... You don't uh, uh, you don't constrict us from um, uh, being disobedient even. Lord, you, will, you even allow that. You, even though it may, we may be miserable in the process, God, it, it's a mystery. But so thankful, God, that you love us. So, Lord, encourage us tonight, Lord, again, to, to just surrender, to put up the white flag, and let you have your will done in whatever it is that you want to do. Search us, 
Lord, try us. And like David said in Psalm 52, I believe it is, or Psalm 51, search me, Lord, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way of everlasting, the way everlasting. Would you do that tonight for each of us, Lord? We just thank you and ask that you might do that in Jesus' name. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.